0: Running is not, as it so often seems, only about what you did in your last race or about how many miles you ran last week. It is, in a much more important way, about community, about appreciating all the miles run by other runners, too. That's a quote from author Richard O'Brien, who put out a large book a few years ago all about New York City's iconic annual marathon. But it certainly applies to what I learned talking
2: with our guests this
0: week about Sunday's Chicago Marathon.
2: You're part of an event that's so large, so multifaceted, so raucous and enthusiastic.
0: Whether pushing themselves through all 26.2 miles of the course or conveying that intensity to people listening at home, today's guests tell me that your own preparation can only do so much and that it's the community and energy around you through the diverse neighborhoods of this city that often give one a boost they never expected.
1: you can feed off of that. You, know, you feed off of the crowd, you feed off of people cheering for you and the flavor of every neighborhood that you run through and that elevates you further. I'm Jim Hankey, and this week
0: we're getting loose and limber by talking about past Chicago marathons with those in the know. Why do they do it? And why do they keep coming back? Let's get looped in Chicago. Though Chicago has held marathons as far back as the early 1900s, what we know as the modern Bank of America Chicago Marathon, previously named the Mayor Daily Marathon, kicked off in earnest in 1977. That year's 4,200 registered runners made it, then, the most people who signed up for an organized marathon in the world. Fast forward to 2023, and that number seems paltry compared to the approximate 45,000 competitors set to descend on downtown Chicago this Sunday, many from outside the state and from around the globe. You can tune in to 670 The Score or the free Odyssey app for the race itself from wherever you are starting at 7 a.m. Sunday, October 8th. Your host will be longtime WBBM sports reporter Josh Liss, and I'll catch up with him later in the show about what excites him about his 26th year covering this event. But first, what is running a marathon even like? Maybe you run a few days a week to keep your heart in good shape, or perhaps you're even competing in this year's event. But me, I admit the type of dedication these athletes have, on both a physical and psychological level, is foreign to me. So to educate me on what keeps them going and why the Bank of America Chicago Marathon is so special, I felt I needed to find Chicago's fastest man. And one could say, as of this recording, that's Dan Kremsky. Last year, the Northside resident and Woodstock High School grad was the first Illinois competitor to cross the finish line. This will be Dan's 11th marathon in total, some of which he's ran in Osaka, Japan, as an ambassador for the Chicago Marathon. And in a look to repeat, Dan is also focused on qualifying for his third Olympic marathon trials, this coming February in Orlando. Dan joined me over Zoom recently, and we began by trying to encapsulate why he feels our city's marathon stands apart.
1: I think it, it really is an incredible tour of a world-class city. Uh, there's so much energy and excitement that lines every mile of the course, and it's something that you, that you feel all the way throughout. And it's a course where I know from a competitive side, you can run you know, your personal best. You can run a very fast time, but it's a uh, a marathon that brings so much to it. Uh, the whole race weekend is an incredible experience. I think more than anything, just the totality of that experience from start to finish, from the time leading up to the marathon until the celebration afterwards. So many people from so many different backgrounds come together for that, that race, that weekend, and it, it really is a, a one-of-a-kind experience.
0: Well, I want to ask you about that. A lot of those who place... In the top 30, I did my homework. I looked at last year's list. I was like, let's find who who was the first one from Chicago to cross the finish line. And it was you. Yeah. But a lot of the people in the top 30, I've noticed, are from out west. We're talking Arizona, Colorado, mm-hmm. Washington State. Is there something in the air there or geography related that you feel brings a lot of west coasters out
1: to this? I myself actually spent some time living out in Oregon. And I think out there, there's just incredible terrain, incredible places to, to go for you know, for, for longer runs and, and also, too, another component is altitude uh, training at, at, at a higher level, maybe about 7,000 feet to really get that, uh, that altitude benefit. So there there is a, a component of that. And I think a lot of times in Midwestern cities or, or populated areas or East Coast, the, the city themselves might not be as conducive for, for year-round running uh, as it might be in the, on the West Coast. The climate might have something to do with that and also kind of the infrastructure. You know, we are fortunate in Chicago to have an incredible lakefront, a lot of great resources within the city for recreation. Before I moved out to Oregon, there weren't a lot of clubs or teams for people wanting to compete at a high level. But in the last 10 years, there really has been an advent of a lot of great competitive clubs and teams in the city that, you know, athletes have come to really elevate their performances through. But I think Chicago's catching up to a lot of those training sites out west.
0: You mentioned altitude real quick. People talk about a runner's high. Is that something you experience?
1: Yeah. You you kind of tap into a a flow state where, let's say you're running at an elevated heart rate. You kind of feel this kind of wave of, I mean, people call them endorphins, but essentially like a a hormone rush that you just really feel an incredible amount of, of adrenaline. And it just kind of flows through over the course of a run. You're just at an elevated awareness level. I experienced that quite a bit running out in the lakefront path just taking in you know beautiful morning in the city you see so many people out there running you see an incredible cityscape along the lake and just feeling tapped into that where everything just kind of really feels rhythmic and yeah that elevated sense of awareness and it really is something that i i, I would vouch for as being a, a real thing well what's
0: your general approach to training let's let's focus on the chicago marathon itself what would you call the time frame in starting training for that particular marathon? What does it look like from exercise to diet to sleep? I'm trying to get a sense of your timetable, really.
1: Typically, for a marathon buildup, uh, it's about 12 weeks out from the race itself. Uh, so a lot of times for a Chicago marathon, that might be late July or August. So that kind of begins that ramp up to the higher levels of training. So your weekly mileage will go up. You know, you're elevating your, your nutrition, that fuel demand that your body needs. Yeah. And sleep is certainly a huge component trying to, to match the, the sleep to get ample recovery and where you're really asking a lot out of your body and you need to be able to provide for it, strength work, mobility work, just to keep, keep everything functioning at a high level.
0: Well, what about 12 to 24 hours out? Like, are there any rituals or anything when you're getting down to crunch time?
1: Let's say the, the day of, you know, you kind of just are, are trying to dial into a routine that, that your body is familiar with. So, you know, I, I wouldn't say do anything outside of the norm by way of, of fueling or, or eating any meals like, sure, you know, there's going to be an increased demand on your body the next day. So you might want to you know increase your carbohydrate intake by a little bit, uh, but nothing that's going to make you feel, you know, uncomfortable on race morning. You know, make sure you're adequately hydrated for those 12 to 24 hours and just kind of really relax. I'd say dial into a a mind space where you can focus on, you know, if it's imagery of race day or focus on, you know, uh, uh, your race plan, but you know, there's nothing you can really do that is going to, you know, make or break. Well, I should say nothing you do that make your race within 24 hours, you can do things to hurt yourself, but uh, you know, just all the training, trust in the training, trust in what you've done to get into that point and just follow the routine that had been successful throughout and, uh, just have confidence.
0: Yeah. I'm picturing, I don't know if you're an office fan, but I'm picturing that scene of Michael Scott carbo loading yeah. before the, uh, before the fun run, you know?
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, Eating a lot of pasta. And- <laughs> right.
0: Well, how conscious are you? You've talked about this state kind of like this flow mm-hmm. state in the last couple of questions. How conscious are you of your surroundings, both within the race itself, like your pace, how you're keeping up with the rest of the runners, and then also everyone around watching from the sidelines? I wonder just like, what is the ebb and flow of your brain being aware of your surroundings doing the marathon?
1: Yeah, in the marathon, that that really is a a very unique and special environment because you're constantly processing so much information, uh, the, your sensory information that you're getting from, you know, the sounds, the sight you're in this constant stream of 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 race that's just like moving forward and there are competitors around you, but then you're also hearing, you know, if somebody's calling your name, you kind of glance up and look and, you know, kind of give a, a wave to acknowledge, but also, you know, you don't want to expend too much energy trying to remain sort of focused in what you're trying to accomplish, you know, running efficiently, running economically and focused on your your pace and the runners around you, but also taking the time to appreciate and embrace that environment, because a lot of times in the marathon with, with so much energy, you can feed off of that. You know, you feed off of the crowd, you feed off, put people cheering for you and the flavor of every neighborhood, uh, that you run through and how unique it is. And you, you almost, you run into a different neighborhood and that, that elevates you further.
0: Walk me through when you learned after crossing the finish line, how far you placed. And then, you know, knowing that you were the first Chicagoan to cross that finish line, what what feelings are are you having there? Because you know you're just trying to focus on your own game, and then yeah. you you look at the leaderboard, you look at everything, the top fifty, and you're like, "Wow, I'm the fastest." I mean, you could claim for a year, right, that you were the fastest Chicago right. in uh, in the in the marathon. So walk me through those feelings.
1: Yeah, well, well, last year was a a, a very special year, um, but it was a, a very unique experience that I had, and that I actually ended up running probably the last ten or so miles stride for stride with Emily Sisson, who set the women's American record on the day. Now I was with a group of, of guys maybe halfway through and that pack I was with kind of started to dissipate. And then Emily's pace group came through uh running is maybe a few seconds per mile faster than what we had been running previously. And I just latched on and decided to just, you know, follow, follow Emily, because she was on a, a historic pace. My body responded well to that. And I I was, you know, captivated in that moment. By being along for the ride on that experience, I think at the, at the time I was more caught up in in having a front row seat to historic performance, and then uh, you know I, the other thing too, I was being very cognizant to not uh, you know clip Emily's heels and uh, you know be infamous for any, any any you know demise of her race. But thankfully, that didn't happen. Uh, she she ran phenomenally, and I you know kind of stepped to the side while she finished and. So I was really excited to be a part of that moment. And then I think after that, uh, kind of looking through the results, I was like, oh, wow, yeah, great. Uh, I I was the top uh, Illinois finisher. The, it's always an incredible honor. You know, something you yes, can carry with with pride. Um, you know, uh, it, it's a cool distinction to have for a year. And you know what, I'll try to defend again this year. <laughs> uh, I was the first Illinois finisher in 2019. So that was my first time. Be a top of life finisher which was incredible that that day was uh, another historic day where i was just behind the world record at the time uh with bridget posgate so i have had a couple of front row seats with some really incredible performances uh in the chicago marathon
0: well that's really cool that's something we wouldn't hear necessarily from your average pro or amateur athlete is just like, hey, I'm also happy to have a front row seat to history, you know, rather than, yeah. uh, oh, it's all about me and my finishing time and whatever. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be yeah. amazing to, yeah, be be in the heat of it. And you know, in that moment, you're like, y- you can almost probably feed off the energy of the crowd, right? They're watching that too. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, people who have been familiar with Emily's career and, and knowing how accomplished of a runner she is. And then she was the second female uh, last year. And so just seeing being that top american and is her on a historic pace i think a lot of the fans recognize that and yeah i absolutely was was caught up in that in that uh, excitement you know but again i, I just want, being a competitor also wanted to make sure that i gave her apple space that was that was top of mind for me
0: i like to ask people about hobbies that are rather foreign to me like i'm going to be honest i have a hard time keeping up with our 4 year old so i'm not running any I'm marathons sure. anytime yeah. soon i'm naive to the whole thing so what's a misconception that people might have about running and about what it's like to compete in the Chicago Marathon? When you talk with people who don't run, is there something you feel you explain a lot of the time?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times people might think, oh my gosh, you just must be, you know, exhausted the whole time. And like, how can you be talking while you're running? And when you, you kind of reach a point in in your training career where you find a pace that feels comfortable. I mean, it's like, it's it's being... It's a, it's a weird dichotomy that you're you can be comfortable while also slightly uncomfortable but i think fellow runners can appreciate that and, and share in that that same you know feeling a sentiment that um you know that that's uh, we talked about earlier the runner's high uh you know you kind of experience that together and it's something that can kind of feed off of one another with you know like some of my my best friends are also runners here in chicago and you know, it's like we we fully understand what it's like to, to to go through that training in and out, and you know, just to be able to celebrate that together on race day, and you know, can be talking to each other within the race. You know, we know it's a hard effort; we know we're giving our best effort, but uh, we can be enjoying that together and communicate that. There's a an uplifting component to it um, where you feel a sense of, of joy and a sense of a little bit of fear. It might be a little bit of uh, you know, feel like you're, you're you're being bold and extending yourself into the deep, you know, beyond where you think you might your body might be capable of. There's a sense of excitement with that, uh, but it's, it's all these different emotions that we wrapped into one on that race day that I think somebody who isn't a runner might not be able to fully grasp until you until you are a part of it. So you try it.
0: Look, I admit, because I so often think with my stomach. Something I needed to know from Dan is what happens post race. After all that training and exertion, does he reward himself with a huge meal or another type of routine for a race well run? And if so, what is his go-to?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, yeah. A lot of times your body is just completely depleted, so you're like, all right, I need calories, and it it can come in any form. But yeah, a lot of times if it's a you know, if it's a burger or or pizza you know something just calorically dense that you just want to be able to really you know dive in on and uh nourish yourself that way or you know with uh with you know cookies or ice cream whatever that might be but you know i also enjoyed you know some beers that i think especially after the race you reconvene with all the your runners it might be later in the afternoon wherever it's just kind of meeting up and you know enjoying uh you know some post-race beers to really commemorate not only the race itself but all all the sacrifices that went into that whole build-up and that those several weeks leading up where everyone knows the amount of sacrifice everything that that culminated on that day what is it about running
0: that attracts you and keeps you going you talked a bit about how you came to it what what attracts yeah. you to, to this day in and day out
1: there's a lot of a lot of components um you know i think the competitive outlet for sure is, is the draw for me. And then also the, the social outlet where I have so many of, like I said, so many of my best friends in the running world. And there's so many really unique and interesting people that are, are likewise gravitated to running. And I think it, it's sharing in the experience of training, sharing, you know, the, the perspective that we have of, you know, running in, in the city or running across the country, being able to really connect with somebody in that way or connect with people in that way is really huge. I've found that when I'm at my best in running, um, the rest of my life also kind of follows suit in in being the dynamic you know, human being overall.
0: Wow, that's really cool to think about. Just to wrap up, there might be people listening at home who are running their first marathon this upcoming Sunday. And maybe there are people listening at home who are on the fence, who are like, you know, I run a couple times a week. The marathon is something I've always wanted to do, but I'm not really sure. What's your advice to them? Any parting words of advice for for folks in your experience?
1: I mean, I'd say just really embrace the energy that you find in the city on race day. It is something that that really cannot be replicated anywhere else. And if if it's your first marathon and you're running Chicago Marathon for the first time, just you know, embrace the the electricity and just like the, the joy that people have both the joy of people running and competing and the joy of the people that are cheering on their, their friend, family, or loved one, and just really channel that in and, and embrace that. Cause that, that is so, you know, it's so unique and it's a, it, you know, an experience that we get to have, uh, as runners once, you know, once a year on that, on that level, on that stage. And then for anyone who might be considering running a marathon upcoming, same, same thing, you know, just really. Think about what it's like to to run through 26.2 miles of an incredible city through all the different neighborhoods, you know, get to experience so many different cultures really throughout the course of that race, you know, the different pockets of the city, take all that in, like internalize that and and have that fuel you throughout the course of training for, for next year or any upcoming, you know, race that you might feel inclined to do. It's just, that is such an incredible experience that I would encourage anyone to take that leap and trade for and experience themselves.
0: Well, that's great, Dan. Uh, Thanks so much for sharing your expertise today. Good luck out there and we'll be watching.
1: Thank you, Jim. Really appreciate it. When we
0: return, Josh Liss brings his quarter centuries worth of Chicago Marathon knowledge to the table, as well as shares his own experience walking the walk or running the run, I suppose, being a competitor after years of watching from the broadcast booth. That and more in a minute.
3: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
0: As mentioned at the top of the episode, you can hear WBBM's own Josh Liss providing coverage of Sunday's Bank of America Chicago Marathon, starting at 7 a.m. over on 670 The Score or on the free Odyssey app. Seriously, you can listen wherever you are, in the car, at home, online, or maybe on your own morning jog. Now, Josh's unique perspective is being both an analyst and a participant. So in sharing his expertise with me on both of those angles, I also got a history lesson in some of the more exciting stories that have graced the course over his years in the booth. Well, you've covered 25 previous Chicago marathons. Do you recall any that stand out to you in particular stories of certain competitors during that time that you found really intriguing?
2: Yeah, I think it's a people person sort of first uh, race, you know, whether they're strangers or the best known distance runners in the world or someone that's going to make their debut. It's all about the stories. So I think of the people. I think the people are the ones that tell the story of the race It's certainly a spectacle. But I think of a uh, number one person I think of is Tatyana McFadden. She's won more Chicago marathons than anyone else. Nine. She's a chair racer. She's a Paralympian. She, according to the story that her mother tells, crawled up to her American mom at a Russian orphanage as a, as a baby. And uh, Tatiana's mother uh, picked her and adopted her as a Russian baby, brought her back to Illinois, raised her and grew up and went to college at the University of Illinois in Champaign. And that's the most renowned uh, wheelchair racing school in the country, in the world. And she happened to uh, get into chair racing. So here's this Russian orphan who becomes the greatest Chicago Marathon champion of all time. And I I think that story stands out to me because it's so humanizing. I think of uh, Khalid He was from Morocco. He was poor. He won two Chicago marathons uh, out of nowhere in the late 90s, uh, one of them setting a world record. And then he would marry an American woman and go on to compete as an American and win two more Chicago marathons. I think in 2006, when the winner of the men's race, Hoyt Robert Chariot of Kenya, 2006, it was a damp day. They had some advertising material, sort of stickers on the ground hoists his arms up in the air as he's crossing the finish line, slips backwards onto his back, onto his head. He probably suffered a concussion. It was ruled that Chariot did cross the finish line with his torso and his time at the minute of the fall at the very end of the race would count. Uh, A year later, the 2007 heat wave. In the middle of the race, we had already signed off on our four-hour broadcast, and we're starting to hear news reports that people were suffering along the course. It had gotten into the 90s. Humidity got too high, and they had to shut down the Bank of America Chicago Marathon in 2007. It's about the people, and when they come together, the city is on display, and the athletic uh, achievements seem to just go off the charts. So it all comes together at a Chicago Marathon. So many memories.
0: Well, those are some incredible stories. Uh, You know, was this type of running something that always appealed to you? Or or did your interest start really back when you were asked to cover the race for BBM back like 26 years ago?
2: Yeah, interesting. I always promised myself as a young adult, uh, a high school athlete, uh, you know, a kid's athlete growing up, I always promised myself I worked too hard working out, exercising, team sports and practices and individual activities. I I was going to stay fit. I was going to stay in shape. And then when sports were done for me, organized sports, I got into distance running. So personally, it was something that I enjoyed. Although 26.2 miles, I'm not sure that was ever a goal of mine until in October of 1995. Columbia College is known for placing you into great internships. I got a great internship at WMAQ Radio which was an all-new station, just like BBM, a competitor to BBM at the time, on the 670 AM signal, which is now Odyssey 670, the score. The sports director there, Lou Canellis, who a lot of people know, is a longtime Bulls sideline guy with Jordan now on Fox 32. Lou uh was the sports director. Josh, how'd you like to go out as an intern and cover your first Chicago Marathon? Sure. You never say no as an intern, right? So I was sort of caught in between. I had never desired to go out and cover a marathon. Next thing I know, I'm saying yes to Canellis on MAQ. I'm on the back of a pickup truck in full winter gear, because this was mid-October 95. It was a little chillier back then, 30 degree wind chills. What am I doing? I'm picking up a cell phone and giving live reports of what I think I see the runners are doing and uh, in the Chicago Marathon. So it had to start somewhere. And uh, thanks to Lou, he gave me that first shot. And I think it's been a pretty long run since then.
0: So, from humble beginnings of being in a pickup truck with a cell phone, have come major advancements in tech over the years for both media and participants. For instance, Josh told me his coverage in recent years has been at a fixed finish line position on Columbus Drive in Grant Park, looking at a wall of monitors, clearly fed with high-speed connections. And for runners, it's apples and oranges compared to what those 4,200 we're working with at the first mayor daily marathon from running shoes to fitbits and apple watches to timing devices small enough to fit inside each runner's race bib that's their number that they're assigned today's marathon seems like a futuristic marvel compared to even 10 years ago speaking of which 2013 reminds us of another leap in marathon tech security this year marks a decade since the boston marathon bombing the domestic terrorist attack which killed three and injured hundreds. So drone technology alone has been a key factor in ensuring safety for large open-air settings like this. Back with Josh, he summarized for me what separates the true competitors from your run-of-the-mill joggers.
2: Think about this. You and I go out, we're going to run a mile. You run the gym class mile. What are you going to do, 10, 12 minutes, you're jogging? They're running 26 miles at just about 5 minutes per mile, sometimes 4.55, minutes, 55 seconds per mile for one mile after another for 26 miles. It's uh, almost impossible to to comprehend.
0: Well, let's talk about that because at age 40 in 2013, you ran your first and only marathon here in Chicago. Talk to me about that experience because you covered the marathon already for so long. Now you run it. And now 10 years later, you have all that expertise of what it's like to run in this thing. So I'd love to hear about the experience because you have it firsthand.
2: Yeah, for someone like me who's always been involved in athletics personally and admired as a sports reporter and anchor for many years, admire athletics and what it takes to just make the start line and finish, not necessarily winning or losing. But what's inside the mind of high level athletes? How does it translate and make you a fuller, better person? So running sort of became my number one form of exercise. I'm maybe not sophisticated enough to find my fulfillment outside of just playing dumb sports, I suppose. (laughs) Self deprecating humor there. But, you know, to be a distance runner, you put your Yourself in, a, in a place where you can get in touch with your emotions and talk with yourself. And it can be more than just a, a physical exercise. And so you show up at a marathon, you cover as many as I did, you get motivated to do it yourself. And I had enough fitness behind me that I knew if I trained good enough, I could toe the line, was training uh, for most of three months, and it was very rewarding. I completed my first marathon, uh, I think it was just over four hours. It was it three and change. I don't remember specifically, but I'm not bragging about my time. It didn't qualify for me, me for Boston, and that's fine. And It's the only marathon I've run since then uh, because I'm not maybe the most strongest uh, physically fit person. I, I find my exercise in many ways, but when it got to distance running, my knees and my hips and lower back, just got to the point maybe in my mid to late 40s i needed to cut down those miles and so i like to stick with some other exercise but i'll tell you something funny about when i ran in 2013 all right hey josh you're going to go out there someone else is filling in for you as the host of the show and they did great you know i'm listening to it on my headphones at the time uh, on the score and this is awesome. i'm getting to about the halfway point of the race i'm i'm not at the, i'm not hitting the wall yet as many of you have heard and i'm going to call in and i'm on hold and all right hey let's go to josh and i'm all right got guys, this is awesome. I'm coming around Chinatown and they've got the dragon and the crowds are so loud and energetic. I'm feeling so incredible. And all right, Josh, hang on. We need to put you on hold. And remember, I'm halfway through the race. Well, we've got the winners coming around the corner right now. we got to call the finish of the race. <laughs> and here I am stuck at the halfway point if that wasn't deflating or a reality check.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, you yeah, know, I've spoken with Dan Kremsky. Dan is last year's highest placing Illinois resident. He lives on the north side and he is out to beat his personal best of 214 so that he can qualify once again for the next U.S. Olympic trials. Mm -hmm. From where you're sitting this year, that's one story. Are there any angles, kind of like what we talked about at the top, any angles and stories about some of the competitors this year that interest you in particular?
2: Oh, man, so many big names. The Olympics are in 2024 in Paris, France, Summer Games, the U.S. Track and Field Trials, which will include some of the best marathon runners in the world, some that are competing in Chicago, and I'll drop some names for you in a second. That's going to happen in Orlando in February. And so it's not just, you know, hundred meter dash this, all the disciplines up to the marathon. And it's become actually one of the marquee events at various Olympics, uh, the marathon over the years. So there are, uh, Americans in the race, guys like Galen Rupp and Connor Mance, I think are two of the biggest name Americans, uh, Mance and Rupp on the men's side who are going to Hopefully put down a good time in Chicago that leaves them healthy and encouraged to try to make the U.S. Olympic team in the trials come February. On the women's side, it's a little bit of a thinner field as far as Americans, and that's going to play out on race day I don't think there's any real standouts. I think Emily Sisson, uh, S-I-S-S-O-N, is probably the top American in the field in Chicago. Sisson, she was one of the runner-ups last year, finished the race in her Chicago debut. So between Sisson, S-I-S-S-O-N, uh, Rupp, and Mance, those are three Americans that, if someone wants to keep track of, could wind up representing the U.S. and maybe have a good chance of uh, winding up on a, an Olympic podium um, less than a year from now.
0: Yeah. And Dan shared a really great story about, uh, I believe it was last year where he was on pace with Sisson, uh, and knew he was kind of like witnessing history for her. So he, he made a point to like, step back. I don't want to be the one caught on camera, clipping her heels or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, It's interesting um, where
2: the men get racing with the women sort of at the back middle of the lead pack. Some of the faster women start coming through and here's Sisson fastest american debuts ever at the chicago marathon in 2022 so yeah she's going to be interacting with plenty of uh, male runners that are at 214 pace at that at that point and uh, here, here she's american running uh you know royalty uh, you know a potential olympian and so i'm sure dan was thinking oh there she goes that's pretty cool celebrity yeah. sighting
0: absolutely absolutely well to wrap up what is your favorite thing about the chicago marathon
2: in general what do you tell people Well, it's got to be, you know, if you can sense, I've get some enthusiasm about talking about the event. It's because it is just such an enormous party. As soon as this one ends, they start preparing for next year. Uh, Most people who compete in the race or, or cheer, or volunteer at the marathon uh, the size and the scope of Chicago once you're involved on any of those levels or you know someone you get any whiff of it you're gonna listen to 670 to scores live broadcast on Sunday mornings uh, Sunday October 8th 7 a.m to 11 a.m 670 the score streaming 670 to score.com and the Odyssey app you're gonna you're gonna hear the cowbells you're gonna hear thousands at the finish line on our audience microphones it's going to be like an infectious uh, sporting event Um, They're going to be over 47,000 runners. It's going to be the biggest field yet. They're going to set an event record. I think the previous... uh, Oh, no, it started in 1977 with 4,200 runners. So, yeah, think about that, Uh, ten times more uh, larger race and 4,200 back in 77 was largest amount of people ever to sign up for an organized marathon in the world. 4,200. We've grown from 1977 to over 47,000 in Chicago. It's going to be one of the largest in the world outside of New York. 15,000 people, just international runners coming to Chicago 14,000 mm-hmm. are going to be participating for charity 29 neighborhoods 10,000 race day volunteers 400 course marshals 100 pace team pacers they the charity teams have raised almost 300 million dollars since 2002 so these numbers are so large they're I'm rattling them off not for you to comprehend but just so they're incomprehensible you're part of an event that's so large so multifaceted so raucous and enthusiastic if you get a little bit of it, whether it's from listening to our show, someone's running for someone, uh, maybe for a cancer charity or something else, you're, you've donated, uh, it's infectious. And I hope you, if you're listening, get a taste of the Chicago Marathon in one form or another, and I, I guarantee you, you'll want to be a part of it.
0: This episode of Looped in Chicago was hosted, produced, and edited by me, Jim Hankey, with assistance from Ariel Raveny. Craig Schwalb is our station's news director, and Myron Kaplan is our managing producer of national news podcasts. As a reminder, tune in to Josh's coverage of Sunday's Bank of America Chicago Marathon starting at 7 a.m. over on 670 The Score or on the free Odyssey app. That's also where you can subscribe to our program or wherever you find podcasts. Be sure to follow us on social media as well at WBBM news Radio and at WBBM Podcasts for visual content relating to our episodes. We'll keep you looped in again right here next week. See you then.
3: Listen to every MLB game live. the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is kind. Stream minor league affiliates.
1: The Midwest League home run lead.